0: welcome to the ibuyer experiment today we have on a guest mike simonson the ceo of altos research mike is a true data geek he founded altos research in 2006 to bring previously unavailable insights on the u.s housing market to those who need it so the company now serves the largest wall street investment firms banks and tens of thousands of real estate professionals across the country Mike also publishes a weekly housing report on his YouTube channel, Altos Research. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here today. Welcome, Mike Simonson.
1: Thank you. Great to be here, Kayla.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. So I I noticed your background straight away. Where are you zooming in from today?
1: I am in uh, Lake Tahoe. I have a my little mountain house. There's no snow on the ground yet. So I'm just like, you know, working remotely and doing trail runs instead of getting skiing in this week.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, I am so jealous. It looks beautiful. So, yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. I have been watching you for, for those listening or watching. And uh, Mike is the CEO of Altos Research, and they are a residential real estate data provider. And so I'm just so excited to have you on today to talk about what everyone's been talking about, it seems like, these past couple years, and that is the real estate market.
1: Yes, terrific. Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a year, right? Quite two years have been really, uh, re- really a wild ride.
0: It sure has. And I think that, you know, for those of us that are following it closely, we're looking at the data, but I think that there's just a lot of kind of misconception about the market and what it's doing. And so I thought it would just be great to bring you on and really dive into how is it performing? So if you could share for us, um, how is the real estate market doing? How did it do through 2021?
1: So the market, uh, you know, most people know the market's been on fire. Um, You know, it's, it was a, it's been a big, up year in terms of appreciation for home prices but really the the big story of the year uh it, and last year and this year really is the is the lack of inventory lack of available inventory um there are there are 400 and, or 350 000 homes single family homes on the market in the u.s right now just you know just after it you know right in december early december and and not too many years ago like Five years ago, four or five years ago, there'd be a million homes on the market right now.
0: Whoa, that's a big difference.
1: Yeah. Um, And so, and that, you know, that's been a trend that's been falling over the last uh, decade, but really accelerated during uh, the start of the pandemic and then has continued this year, both um, on the supply side, new stuff coming to market, as well as the demand side being it's super accelerated. So anything that does come to market is getting gobbled up really quickly. Mm
0: -hmm. And so that's That's why we're seeing the, you know, three, five, 15 offers per property. And we're seeing just, you know, the tight, tight inventory.
1: Yeah, so we have, um, you know, we have mortgage rates super low, super low. And as a result, um, it's, uh, and these are super low locking in forever. 30 year fixed mortgage rates. And so as a result, like, if you can afford that payment, now you, you find the house that you can afford, it's going to be affordable forever. And, uh, and it's really significantly cheaper than it was even just a couple of years ago, uh, as rates have continued to fall. Mm. And like that drives a ton of demand.
0: It does, and so interesting because when we talk about affordability, even though prices uh, have increased, because the interest rates continue to just be historically low, uh, that's really giving a lot of people more purchasing power.
1: That's right. Um, the the a a, ch- a small change in an, in the interest rate makes a big change in the monthly payment. So affordability. Uh, is really impacted by mortgage rates um, much more than it is by uh, a change in the price of the house itself, which is really fascinating. So, you know, we're under 3% for a 30-year fixed on average right now. Um, A couple of years ago, uh, the highest point in 2018 was like 4.9% in December. So that was like three years ago right now. And then it's been rates have been falling since then, and uh, and so uh, as rates have been falling, and, and last year at the start of the pandemic, they really cratered hard and dropped really uh, like it became significantly more affordable. Even while home prices were climbing ten percent a year, the payments were actually more affordable that time. Um, now in the last year, rates have been around three, percent, around the same level, ultra low, but not dropping further. So home prices are going up, but rates are going lower. So we lose a little bit of affordability. And and so then you look at 2022, and say, uh, what happens? Well, if if home prices keep falling and rates stay the same, we lose affordability. Mm. If uh, if rates rise, then it becomes less affordable and, you know, likely to see a little bit of inventory build um, because demand weakens um, at some point, uh, you know, that rates rise to some point will be what will make people sensitive to that. Um, Or if rates, you know, if rates fall in 2022, then, you know, what does that trigger? That's really a uh, fascinating, you know, like we already have super hot demand. What happens yeah. if rates fall from here?
0: Yeah, interesting because you know, I'm, I'm looking at forecasts of you know, Freddie, Fannie, MBA, and you know, everybody's kind of projecting that rates are gonna go up. And so I hadn't really thought about like, what happens if they do fall happens if they
1: fall and and i you know i um say at altos research we, we track the housing market we track home prices and all we track every home for sale in the country every week and the changes in pricing there's all kinds of signal in there uh about supply and demand and you know it, it really rich information what i don't do is uh predict interest rates <laughs> and uh i i like, i bought my first home in 1996 and i i and i had an eight over like eight and a half percent interest rate and I locked in for 30 years because I was afraid rates were going to rise. Wow. I bought my second home in 2001 and I, at 6% and I locked in for 30 years because I was afraid rates were going to rise. I bought my third home in 2015 and I locked in at four and a half percent because I was afraid rates are going to (laughs) rise. And then I refinanced and now, and I locked in at, whatever it was, 2.9%, because I'm afraid rates are going to, like, I don't have any idea. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, so. For uh,
0: sure. I get that. Oh my goodness. That's, a, that's funny. But you're right though. We, you know, the rates have been just so amazing. And I think that obviously anyone that's selling real estate right now knows it's just hot, hot. And you mentioned, and I, I saw you kind of cautiously said that we may see inventory go like a little bit up. Uh, what are your What are you seeing as far as inventory? Let's talk about that homes available. You mentioned it's just really low. I think you said a, a you know three or four hundred thousand or four hundred thousand homes. But what is inventory doing right now? And are we following like a typical seasonal pattern where maybe we have less inventory because it's the holiday season uh, in the fall? What are your thoughts and what are you seeing on inventory?
1: So yes, yeah, so inventory is definitely seasonal. It it peaks on June 30th typically and the the lowest point is the second week of January typically that year uh each year. It's a very smooth cycle. Um what happened last year is that people kept buying right through the holidays and and through the and so inventory never really peaked in in 2020. And it just kept falling. Uh, people bought all the way through the pandemic. Um, and so this year we hit, we hit the low point of inventory. Instead of being in January, we hit it April 30th Hmm. because people kept buying all the way like really hot in January, February. And then, uh, we had a little bit of inventory climb in the, in the summer. Um, which you'd normally have, like this is when the most properties come to market and when you have the, the most transaction volume, all the things happen in the second quarter to peak inventory. Um, you know, usually June 30th, July, that time frame. This year, we we, uh, we didn't even hit the bottom until end of April. And so then inventory started building a little bit and it looked like this uh, fall, late summer, early fall, we'd start to get a little inventory build Maybe up back higher. What it seemed like in the last few weeks, six weeks or so, is that buyers are actually accelerating again. Um, and so this week we had a pretty significant drop in inventory. Um, it was the the impact of the Thanksgiving holiday, which always has fewer homes, but mm-hmm. uh, so it'll rebound a little bit. Uh, but um, you know we are through Thanksgiving, through New Year's. Each week is is always less inventory people people just aren't listing their houses the week before christmas right, right. Uh, typically right so there is that seasonality but what that means is that we're already this low um and it really looks like we're going to start 2022 lower than we did this year so new record lows wow and and there's really no signs of any Uh, surge in inventory, like there's no place that new inventory is going to come from. If mortgage rates rise, uh, then it becomes less affordable. One of the reasons that we have um, so low inventory right now is because with with low rates, it's really affordable to hold on to my first house when I buy my second house. Mm -hmm. Now I have an investment property. Right. I can have two homes at three percent instead of one home at four and a half. And so now I have an and we've people have been we've been doing this, we've taken eight million homes out of the resale stock and turned it into investor investment properties mm-hmm. over the last decade. Eight million of them.
0: Eight million of the housing stock. And in- just to give us an idea, uh, how many homes represent the the U.S. housing stock?
1: Well, you could think of you know a hundred million homes in top in total, give or take, depending on how you measure. Um, but um, but then so taking eight million of those, wow. and turning them from being able to resell to to be able to 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 be rental properties. And so each year we lose about ten percent of our inventory each year to investment properties. Okay. And then it, during the pandemic, it just it accelerated. Mm-hmm. So now we're in this super low place. Now everybody has these investment properties and most of those investors are individuals, not big institutions, right? 90 some percent of them are held by people who own one to four homes, okay. one to four investment properties.
0: So your mom um, and pop investor.
1: Mom and pop investors. And it's been a really good deal okay. mm-hmm. because because it's so cheap, right? right. So, um, so there's no sign of of these like, of flooding into the market. We had the um, the mortgage forbearance process. So these were people who were impacted by the pandemic, mm-hmm. who uh, didn't or were were had the option of not paying their mortgage. And uh, a year and a half ago, when we rolled into the pandemic, there were seven million people who opted into this um, forbearance process. And at the time we were wondering what's going to happen when they have to start paying again.
0: Right. Right.
1: Are they going to have to sell their homes? Is there going to be foreclosures? Well, so first of all, because, um, the, the market's been up, everybody has a lot of equity. So even if you can't make your payment again, you're not going into foreclosure because you can sell your house and make, take your cash.
0: Right. Exactly. But it turns out
1: that almost all of the people that have been in the forbearance process, have figured out how to resume their payments and keep their home. Almost all of them, very tiny little trickle. So none of the forbearance properties are coming to increase our inventory, essentially none.
0: And so I'm I'm so thankful you spoke to that because I think that You know when we started seeing the numbers of all of these homeowners going into forbearance i think the natural kind of uh, reaction was a little fearful like oh my goodness we're going to see this wave of short sales and foreclosures and you know and and what i'm hearing is is these individuals have figured out a, a path or a plan to get back on track and we are not going to be seeing a flood of short sales and foreclosures hitting the market so that's not yeah, going to it's not going to ease this this uh, supply the issue crisis,
1: not going to and if if your listeners are like investors that have been waiting for a flood or a bargain there's none coming <laughs> and, you know you say it's interesting because like are there going to have to be short sales but the market has been so strong there's no one in the comp in the country who's short
0: right everybody has equity right we have
1: record equity so there's no short sales coming there's nobody short um and then the interesting thing is even if uh you know to to go into foreclosure you have to have a really bad mortgage deal and never be able to to like be able to make that payment again maybe you went from two incomes to one income permanently and now that 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 mortgage is going to be forever too expensive uh, but you so you have to be able to be in a bad deal never to be able to pay it again and not be able to sell the house. Mm. So if I look down the street and I say, wow, my neighbor's house has been on the market for six months. I'm upside down on my mortgage. Like I'm never going to be able to get, it. that's when I go into foreclosure. Right. But if but none of those three conditions are true right now. I have equity, uh, I have I have an ultra-low rate. Even if I can't, like, it's a, I have a really good deal on my mortgage and I look down and it's, my neighbor sold his house in four days. Right. So, so there's no, there's no foreclosure. There's like, no, no one is going in. And we kept watching, you know, through October last year was a six month window. Nothing happened. You know, we watched in January, nothing happened, none came to market. Now we're 18 months in was October and and every month we're just taking hundreds of thousands of, and people are figuring out how to work them out work out their loans going into a loss mitigation to get back current on their payment or they're selling Some someone selling the house and taking their cash but it's not that many because most people want to hold on to that because it's a like it's a really good time to be to own right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm.
0: yeah absolutely well that just makes so much sense and you know, if you're listening to this and you've been thinking that we're going to start to see a ton of foreclosures, I mean, it just the data does not suggest that whatsoever. And uh, Mike, Mike is backing me up on this. So. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's that's good. That's good news. Uh, you know, and I think that as we look to 2022, uh, you know, we can't predict, right? We don't know what the rights are going to do and all of that, but. I think that given given kind of your landscape and what you see and, and do on a daily basis, uh, what are your thoughts? What are you seeing as kind of the early predictions for next year?
1: So you know, we already talked about inventory. Inventory is going to start the year at record lows, and probably go lower for a, a few months. And hopefully, in the sometime in the first quarter, we see more uh, inventory. Coming to market that we didn't see in 2021, so that we get off of the the very lows. So, hopefully, uh, but it's going to start at record lows and go lower. Uh, That's number one. So, record low supply. Mm. Um, We can already see uh, indicators of demand. For example, we track when we track every home for sale in the country every week, we also track things like the percentage of homes that have taken a price cut. And so there's always some homes on the market that take a price cut. They're overpriced. Sometimes that's intentional. Sure, yeah. Sometimes it's accidental, but there's always some. And it's in nationally, it's about 35% is normal. So a third of homes they list and they take a cut before they sell. Um, And so when the markets, so if that's 35% is normal, when the market's really hot, some people are overpricing and they get their offers because there's like multiple bids. And so they never had to take a price cut. Uh, And so so now in a hot market, only maybe 25% need to take a cut when 35% is normal, but only 25% have to take a cut because the market's hot. So we can measure demand in places like price reductions. So then what happened was this year, the beginning of this year, price reductions nationally was like 15%. You know, at the peak of the frenzy in April and May this year, when there's all the multi... You know, offers going on and the, the peak of the craziness, you could see it, um you could see it and measure it in price reductions.
0: Wow. So it went from 35, which is just, you said normal, normal to like 15. Yeah. So it was
1: basically almost nobody had to take a price cut. No matter how <laughs> nuts you priced it, you were getting your offer. Uh, that cooled off a bit this fall and it was encouraging, right? It was like, you know, it, it's like that's not a healthy market. Right. It's not good for buyers, it's not good for sellers cuz you know that the all kinds of weird things happen.
0: Sure, yes.
1: Um it is so um so it's nice to see that cool off a bit. But what's interesting is so now we've peaked the year um this year now at at about 27 we're down to 25 for 26% right now with price reductions and it's falling, it'll fall at, through the first quarter. Uh, as the market starts to, um, you know, heat up again for the spring. And so what this tells us is that our demand that we can see now. That this is demand for properties that have not yet sold. So that's on the market now. And if it doesn't get an offer, it takes a price cut in December. It gets an offer in January. It closes in February. So these are sales that would happen in February. February. For example, okay, or maybe there's a sales that will happen in January. If it gets a, if it's on the market now and it gets an offer and it closes in January. So, but really, these are um, what we can t- see is we can already see the demand. And if they're not taking price cuts now, that means the transaction price that closes in February is going to be elevated. Mm. If if they were taking price cuts now, that means that the, the the transaction price in February is going to have to come down a little bit. Um, and so what we can see is we've already crested at you know 27% with price reductions, lower than normal. So we can already see this high demand rolling straight into the first quarter. So we can measure already record low supply and not as crazy, like a little less than last December in that crazy demand time but still strong demand. So we're walking in record low supply, strong demand is already how we're set up for the first and second quarter. And if, for example, mortgage rates started rising and cooled demand, that's going to take several months before that works its way through the system. So it takes several months for mortgage rates to rise to something that people start being scared. And then, then they have to start backing off so that like, it's probably six months, if rates started rising today, it's probably six months before you feel it in the market. So we can already see like this tight supply, strong demand through probably the second quarter.
0: Well, that's that's a really interesting um, perspective. And oh my goodness, thank you so much for sharing that. So just the, the information that you have access to and being able to see those those trends and see where it's headed. and. Also, I think another thing that you just shared, which is really important, I hope you're getting this, is that if we do start to see some change in the market, it's not going to happen overnight, right? We're going to see some, some gradual change, and it's going to happen over time. And so I, I think you're right. I mean, from everything we're seeing, I'm, I'm in the Phoenix, Arizona market, so we're very strong. And I like that you said uh, it's not going to be quite as crazy as last year because that Goodness was – yeah, right? That was just um, really intense, uh, especially for for buyers agents. Anyone out there working with buyers just really was, I mean, getting beat up left and right. And so I, I like that I mean, maybe it's not going to be as crazy, but obviously I love that it's still predicted to be a very strong real estate market, of course. Um, let's talk about a couple other things that you kind of, uh, we kind of have alluded to is affordability, in the future. I want to talk a little bit about affordability. And I also want to talk about uh, like homeownership rates, like uh, what, what are home ownership rates doing and how does affordability impact that?
1: Uh, that's a great question. So, um, you know, we, there, there's some interesting ways to look at affordability. And I think, you know, we talked about as rates are low, um, that's the biggest impact on that monthly payment is where people feel affordability in the monthly payment. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Of course, the downside of that, of that equation is the down payment. And so the down payment gets more, um, you know, gets bigger required uh, to be bigger. And so, um, so, so if home prices, home prices have, you know, had a, 10 or 11 percent gain in 2020 another 10 percent gain in 2021 if we look at another 10 percent gain in 2022 like that's a big deal and it's really a big deal for you know the down payment for people Mm -hmm. um what we've uh and and so um a few things happen. You, you see one of the big shifts during the pandemic was a move from when, when all of a sudden we had, we weren't tied to our location for work. There was a move to a lot of remote locations. We called them the, the zoom towns.
0: Okay. Uh, my friend
1: Connor Senate <laughs> as a, as a columnist at, at Bloomberg. And he, he uh, coined this phrase zoom towns, right? We could, we could live in, in Tahoe and work remote or Boise, Idaho was as massive, had a massive year as crazy. people, like you know, 40, fled out of LA.
0: 47% appreciation or something crazy like that. Crazy.
1: Um, and, and so what's interesting though, is um, you could see actually affordability start to get um, tested in Boise. Mm. What we could see right now is price reductions in Boise are back up to a kind of a normal level. Okay. So earlier in the year, you know, remember, thirty-five percent is normal. Right. Boise is normally a little higher than that, like forty percent, okay, uh, just because of the nature of the market. But earlier in the year, the the low in Boise was like six percent. Whoa! And so, you know, you were getting this like people coming in from L.A. saying, "I'll just take whatever, and it doesn't matter," because coming out of L.A., Boise was is super cheap, and like I, I can overpay and it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, but there is a point at which that like the migration slows and now you're selling to local. And so um, there is some moderation that we can see, for example, in Boise. Um, and that's, that's likely a function of affordability. All of a sudden, uh, you know, you don't have to be, a, if you don't have to, if, you, if you're in Boise, you only have to be affordable to people buying from LA. That's a very different equation than being <laughs> affordable to, to the locals.
0: Yes, absolutely. So a lot of dynamics that are playing into this and, and interesting, uh, you know, as I'm thinking through this, this Zoom town analogy, that's great, by the way, I love it. Uh, You know, do you see a point where some of these markets that were just inundated with people from out of state, do you see these markets like Boise and maybe, maybe like Phoenix, do you see some of these markets kind of have a little bit of a correction? Maybe these people come here and they decide, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do in Boise? And, you know, and then they, they move. And so then at that point, do you think that maybe that's on the horizon in some of these markets?
1: So it, it could be, um, we haven't seen evidence of it yet, but I haven't seen people all of a sudden already turning around and selling their house in Boise and moving back to LA. I haven't seen any evidence of that yet. Um, but, uh, but, but it certainly could be like that, that was a, uh, it's like the, um, you know, it seemed like a good idea to get a puppy during the <laughs> pandemic too, right? And all of a sudden it's not such a good idea anymore, right? Yeah. That, that, there, you could definitely see how that, that could happen. And um, it's something we, you know, we try to keep our eyes out for it. It hasn't been any uh, evidence of it yet. It's probably too early, but um, you know, it'll be fascinating to see what happens with uh, job growth in the next five years, if Boise feels uh like great opportunity or Phoenix feels like great opportunity, then people will stay. If it feels like they got it, they say, Well, I got my tech job and in San Francisco and I really want to be back in the office in San Francisco, you know, maybe there is a reverse migration at the time. We haven't seen it yet, but maybe
0: interesting stuff for sure. Well I want to talk a little bit about how you serve the real estate community because I know you guys have amazing things at Altos Research and kind of funny, funny little thing. I was talking with my uh, video guy Curtis before, and I kept telling him I was going to be podcasting with with Mike at Altos Research, and he thought I was saying All Toast Research, <laughs> <laughs> and so he said he went on to Google and even googled that. But um, so it's <laughs> All Toast Research. Um, That's right. So share with us a little bit about what you do and, and how you can serve our community.
1: Yeah, we so Altos, we track the whole country we, and we do real-time market data. So we track every home for sale every week and then we publish, we bu- bubble up the analytics and we publish those. So every zip code in the country. And, and then for realtors and brokers and um, other r- related people in the space, it's we we brand that for you. Uh, so it's your Scottsdale market report it's Kayla's market report and it helps you reach your clients um with the information like what's happening in the market right now and and you know we're in this place where everybody's afraid mm-hmm of what's going on. Is the, like, am I buying at the peak? Is it going to crash? Is it going to go up from here? Am I, is it going to be too hard for me to buy? Like everybody's afraid, whether you're a buyer or a seller, like (laughs) all of the things. It's true. And the data is, is how we, how we combat the fear. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so we put the information in your hands in, and and in their hands, your, your client's hands, so that you can, Nurture that relationship over time. You are the one providing the the data. Um, you can help reach new people. They say you hand it to your to your video guy, and he looks at it and he says, "Oh, I, I now have Kayla's market report, uh, and I can see." Um, so now Kayla, so now he's in in the the lead funnel, the relationship. So that's what we do. So we do the data, but most importantly, we help you reach your your clients, your people, your sphere, um, in a way that makes you the expert helps you help the questions that they have
0: yes absolutely and i'm you know i'm real big on looking to the data because we see all these headlines in the news and you know headlines can do more to terrify than clarify and so i think a lot of times it's it's great to have a trusted source of data that you can look to and say okay well that's what i'm hearing in the news or how it's being spun but here's the reality of what's happening. So if you're listening right now and you're wondering how you can really up your real estate business next year, I think you really ought to check out Altos Research and see if there's, um, you know, some assistance that they can provide you with these data reports because, you know, let's face it, everybody has that kind of, oh my goodness, how is the market? What's happening? This is crazy. We all feel this way, just like you mentioned, Mike. And so I think when you can have that trusted source and, um, and for those of you that follow me or on my coaching calls, um, I'm looking to Mike. He's he's kind of our go-to as as far as what we're you know looking to and the data that we're looking at. So, Mike, I just want to say thank you so much for being here with us today, and um, I would love to have you back on. I just feel like there's so much value that you can continue to share with us, but. Also, I know that you do a lot of podcasts and webinars uh, regarding the market. So share with us how we can follow you and stay tuned to what you're doing.
1: Great, well, altosresearch.com and you can connect with the team there and like get your local reports and, and work that way. Um, you can find me on Twitter, so Mike Simonson on Twitter. And, um, and I share data every week. I do national data every week. And our YouTube channel, our Altos Research YouTube channel is also where you can reach. So any of those channels, you can start getting in the data. You can um, see see what we're, um, you know, what we're sharing, where the markets going. what are the, the absolute latest that we're looking at uh, each week. So a lot of traditional housing data is old by the time it gets to you. The headlines are you know, transactions that happened a long time ago. Uh, and so by looking at the data at the Alto said, we do it every week. We publish it on Monday. And so it can be really strong. away. So, yeah. So come like, for example, follow me on Twitter or the, you know, the, the YouTube channel to get the videos each week, or um, if you connect with us at our website, then we'll also, you know, we'll email you when those happen and invite you to our webinars and, and those kinds of things.
0: Well, that is wonderful. I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go do that. Uh, that's where that's where I'm uh, getting my information and, and knowledge. It's through you. So thank you so much for all of your contribution to the real estate community. And of course, thank you so much for being on here on the iBuyer experiment. We appreciate you.
1: All right. Thank you, Kayla. Maybe uh, in the second quarter, we'll check back in and see how the year is progressing.
0: I would love to do that. That would be amazing. Thank you. That would be great. Okay.
1: Yeah. okay.